Welcome to Permaweb Pioneers. We feature individuals, companies, projects, and more building on the Permaweb, a global, decentralized, and community-owned web built on top of Arweave. The hosts of this podcast and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All opinions of the hosts and the guests are their own. Nothing discussed on this podcast can be relied upon for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. This podcast is solely for entertainment and informational purposes. In this episode, I'm speaking with Shek Dev, who's the founder of WordCell.club. That's W-O-R-D-C-E-L dot club. And WordCell enables anyone to publish rich articles on the blockchain that are censorship resistant. Shek, great to have you here. Yeah, great to be here. So as I just mentioned in that intro line, WordCell is enabling individuals to post on the blockchain and the Blockweave. And the tech stack that you're building with is Solana and Arweave. Now, before we get into the specifics of WordCell and all the components, which are really fascinating, I think there's a really interesting path forward for WordCell. I'm curious to learn a little bit more about your entry into Web3 and possibly a, you know, some more details about your experiencing just building technology. So can you share a bit of you know, background on yourself, on your you know, journey as a builder, and then kind of going into Web3? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the first time I ever uh, came across, I, I guess the first uh, crypto crypto project that I came across was Bitcoin. I read the Bitcoin paper in 2012 when I was still in college. And however, I never really thought that crypto would take off in such a big way as it has done so far. So I went on I went on to work as a distributive systems engineer right out of college. And then that's what I have been doing. That's what I had been doing. So for, for the last eight, nine years, I was working at the startup build, building large-scale systems. So in 2020, my startup got acquired and that kind of opened up a lot of my mind space. So I was just thinking about what is next for me. And also that's also around the time where I, uh, I came across the whole DeFi somewhere. And when I saw DeFi somewhere, it was, it was such a testament to what you could build on top, top of decentralized tech. And that, that, that convinced me that this is what I want to be doing next. So I was naturally hanging around um, on crypto Twitter, just checking out what people are people are building, right? So when I was doing that, that's that's when I came across Solana and also the Super Team DAO. So so I was hanging out on Twitter and uh, and. Yeah, so I, that there was a Twitter post, you know, just generally talking about uh, how Web2 engineers can make a transition to Web3. And so I, I had replied to that 
reply to that post and then this guy Akshay he sends me an invite to their discord server and I just go I I I start hanging out there and this is also around the same time when uh Solana Ignition hackathon had, had happened so at that so one of the things that Akshay had suggested that people do especially the uh ones who make trend looking to make the transition to web3 was look at all the hackathon projects that come out and try and speak to their part so to the the founders of the project but potentially because hackathons are where the next set of big projects get founded right so i was i was just diligently looking looking at each one of the su- submissions and figure out that this first of all there's a whole lot of them and then it it was on uh, it was on dev post i guess so it you know the point is start getting tedious for me to just look at each one of the stories so it i um just open up when write write a quick script to scrape through the entire submission portal and i organize all of this into a spreadsheet just for my personal consumption um uh, so i did, and then i just um tweet it out and also share it in the discord turns out a lot of people found it really useful and then um that that was my initial kind of claim to fame within crypto twitter so I, and and then um then i that also kind of gave me this kind of you know motivation to um look deeply into it look deeply into solana and then i start digging into the code base understanding what um what's going on this was given given my background as a distributed systems engineer some of these were um little approachable than a lot than the majority of people who come come and end up building on solana so so yeah um so that so that way i started putting a i started writing tweet threads and also putting out little snippets and then so so that way that also got the attention of the solana's devrel team and then i kind of worked with them on the side to create these uh deep dive blog posts on the solana internals so when i was writing this i didn't really have a face for me to put up this content right it kind of uh, felt disingenuous to be writing this on medium or substack so i honestly wanted something uh that would just power my own blog and one thing led to another i ended up building building it and then turns out a lot more people needed needed so i start i built the fundamental plumbing of the protocol and 6 months later we ended, ended up winning the adopted hackathon in the web3 track so like within that duration of me just you know putting together this spreadsheet of all the projects to actually winning in the hackathon that was interesting and on rvcn so one thing that i also during the course of this i also um was was also when i was experimenting with um things on solana that's when i discovered rv so i was uh i was to propose to my uh partner to my partner and then i saw so many people doing their proposals proposals on, on the blockchain so i was, I was like okay 
why don't I do that? And then that's when I first, um, that's when I first discovered Arweave when I was looking to permanently put my proposal forever on the blockchain. That's when I came across Arweave and then I made this uh, NFT, put it on Arweave and then actually made it as an NFT on Solana and then uh, proposed, proposed to my partner with that. Wow. Okay. So there's a ton to unpack there. Thank you for sharing your entry and a bit of your background um, on the building side and coming into Web3. Now, one of the things that I want to highlight of what you've just shared is this notion of putting community work, if you will, first. Now, one of the things that you did right from the get-go, as you shared, is basically get together all these hackathon projects and put them in a list for individuals to explore and connect with the founders, correct? Yeah. And and that proved to be really useful. And you know, then you, you went on to write, it sounds like, some more developer-focused blogs and connected with the community more and you're introduced to a DAO and, and all of these things. And what I wanna just kind of focus on for a moment is that impetus and that initiative to do that thing, which was you know, relatively in the grand scheme of things, a smaller task or a smaller thing to do for the community that showed your dedication or interest or just you know, exploratory mindset within the community and it was, it was quickly recognized. I, I just I just restate that because I feel like you know for anyone listening, um, there there are some times or some ways in which individuals express they like, oh well, I don't really know what to do. You know, maybe I'm not a developer, maybe I'm not a designer, maybe I'm not even a writer or don't consider myself a writer. Like, what do I do? The, the curation component is absolutely massive. The, the data accumulation on, a, on an ecosystem is, is really huge. Can you share a little bit about kind of why you did that to begin with and maybe share some thoughts on how you think others can contribute in, in ways like that? Yeah, so I guess when I initially did it, I, I, I didn't really think about it in the grand scheme of things. So looking back, I didn't really expect it to get get the attention that it did. I, it was most, I, I guess, it was mostly done in the spirit of open source, right? So um, having having been a developer for a while, I've been um, like it's it's kind of natural to put your your code up on GitHub for even even without even without the concept of blockchain. It's just that you build something cool, you put it up on GitHub for other people to see. It was it was just in that spirit. So I guess, and also I think to the, a lot of the communities that we have today are founded on those foundations, the, the, the foundation of the open source spirit, right? So I guess it was, it was mostly in, in that way to any, in, in addition to that, looking back, one thing I also realized is that um, oftentimes, just engaging with the community is like a very good way for you to understand and uh, figure out what is out there. I guess all of us are trying to figure out like where exactly where exactly we could contribute, right? Um, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be this this kind of you know soul searching journey that you embark on. It it could be a something lot more fun that you just hang out with people. Who, who are interested in similar things. So eventually you would uh, 
eventually you would find something. I, I guess just don't, you don't really have to think about it so deeply. Just see what is out there and see how you could contribute. I think that's very well stated. And, you know, I think it's inspiring to think in that way. It's not like it has to be this perfected thing. There's this huge overall mission. It's kind of like, huh, I'm interested in this. This is fun and I'm going to express myself. And, and it sounds like you, you did that right from the get go based upon your, as you mentioned, you know, contributions to the open source world and putting up your code and on, on GitHub and so on. So it's part of your culture, whereas maybe some other individuals who have worked maybe more and more closed source environments, whether it's just, uh, you know, working on the marketing side and creating a campaign, maybe not in the open or whatever it may be. For a lot of these Web2 companies, it's not really customary to put everything out in the open. So it's a little bit of a cultural shift in that regard. And and I feel like it's it's one of these cultural shifts that is so powerful and so empowering to the individual to find opportunity to express oneself. And anyways, I just wanted to kind of touch on that and dive into it a bit more because, you know, I do get a lot of questions like, oh, how, how can I contribute to the Arweave ecosystem if I'm not this or not that? And the reality of it is, is there's so much room. It's just a matter of just going out and doing it and, and going towards that open source mentality and that open source culture and, and others will recognize it. You know, as you mentioned, you, you started with that. You started with this, this community, you know, expression, this community project of bringing together these hackathon projects in, in one, one space for easy navigation and connecting with founders. And then you ended up writing what it sounds like with, with the Solana core team on technical things. And then you found something that you wanted to build by way of doing those things. And that beca- has become WordCell, which then enabled you to actually win the Riptide ha- hackathon, which happened in, in March of, of 2022. Um, it was 2022, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to make sure I got that that date correct. Um so it's just a it's just an inspiring kind of look or peer into an individual that has come from, you know, a web2 background that is exploring and then just does one thing that leads to others because you know what's so fascinating is when one contributes and feels that community engagement like wow, this is valuable to me. This is valuable to me too. It, it's pretty empowering, isn't it? Like, how did you feel when others responded to that initial uh, community resource? Yeah, honestly, I was like super surprised. And I, I guess it's also this, it, it kind of added to the positive reinforcement or that motivation to maybe I should contribute more, right? So that's kind of how, that, that kind of, the positive reinforcement is like super understated. It's like, um, broadly, that's very important for you to, get to do anything right so um i that's that's what i really felt very empowering about communities in general so um it's a great phrase positive positive reinforcement and i do agree with you that oftentimes maybe it's it's undervalued as far as how much of a catalyst it can be to propel someone to continue on and to expand and to dive deeper and, and express oneself in whatever community. For example, this podcast, of course, is focused on the Arweave community and, and, and connected with so many other communities like Solana and, and beyond. And there, there's just so much opportunity. Anyways, so let's, let's move on and explore a bit more of your entry because I do find your entry and your story 
to be really fascinating and one that I think others can assimilate with and kind of adapt and adjust to their own self or own being. Now, one of the things you mentioned is that you actually put a proposal to your now wife up on Solana and stored on Arweave as an NFT. Can you share? I know you shared a little bit already. Now, what was the impetus for that? What, what, how did that come to be? Uh, I, I just wanted to kind of represent the depth of our, the bond of the relationship, right? So I wanted to permanently etch it on the blockchain. So um, I guess that that's kind of why I went with RV and also even within within amongst the NFT community, having this having their metadata for an RV is like such a stamp of quality in the sense that you are whatever you have uploaded onto the RV firmware, it's it's going to stay there as it is tamper proof. So in terms to in order to signify. Um, my relationship, it was kind of, I guess, a cheeky way to, um, you know, <laughs> propose. Yeah, it, it is. It is great. And I do appreciate you mentioning that kind of stamp of quality that Arweave has has really grown so much in the NFT community specifically um, on that note of quality. It's, you know, the pay one store permanently obviously is really important. And uh, and it's just ex- expanding and it's, it's just cool to see use cases that have a lot of kind of philosophical or emotional underpinnings of, for example, your commitment to your now wife um, and that being pressed into the weave, into the block weave. Uh, it, it's just it's just nice to hear that there are, you know, we can talk about technology, we can talk about this like tech stack and everything like that, which is incredibly important. It's also important that like we're human beings and this stuff matters to us emotionally. And uh, I thought I just thought that was a kind of nice expression to you know, how important this technology is for social relationships and our our social civilization. And with that, I'm interested in diving into a bit more of WordCell. Um, so there's kind of like three pillars, as I understand it, of WordCell. Um, and that is that it's decentralized. So all content is stored permanently on Arweave. It's open sourced. Um, so it, it, or at least it will be soon from what I gather, uh, and it's censorship resistance. Um, and so anyone can, can, can use this and, and post as, as they wish. Can you share, uh, how you explain word cell maybe around those three pillars? Yeah. So, um, maybe let, 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 let me kind of subdescript and introduce like three different pillars that underpins any social relationship, right? So. At the very fund, the way I look at it, at the uh, very fundamental, the very fundamental piece of it is our identity as individuals, and individuals have stories and narratives around them. And then over the course of this, they develop relationships. So the three things that are that is super important to the protocol that that underlies WordCell is the identity, the story, and the connections, and Virtual today in its in its avatar to uh, allow people to publish long form content is built built on top of those underpinnings, and this also fundamentally ties in with how I look at the world, right? Um, uh, social media today has allowed 
anyone and everybody to to express themselves to express their voice however a lot of what could be said is a function of the culture that they are embedded in and of often times these whatever is in the is in the culture is controlled by whoever controls the platform right and that that has a lot of that has a lot of other implications so um with the long form content what we are trying to do is to bring people bring together people who really care about the fact the fact that they have something they want to stay, say and it stays uh it stays on the blockchain forever and that's just the initial use case that we are building towards did i i mean did, did i answer your question correctly i i kind of realized i just we are off in a different direction it's totally fine and and i think one one thing that's important to note is that it is connected right so you mentioned identity story and connections as being kind of pillars to the social experience and things that are really important to have as you know decentralized open source and censorship resistant right like to 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 center one's connections or to center one's story or identity um you know that that's that's that can be pretty uh pretty intense right and 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 so what what word cells objective or one of the objective is to decentralize these these components and then make it so it's permanent and accessible um for really anyone to have a look via a social graph that is not like closed source right is that i mean because all these things are all these things are connected right like you you have these fundamental layers as i define them as decentralized open source and censorship resistant and then you added the identity story and connections the social layer if you will that is built upon that fundamental layer um these things are obviously really really important can you share like maybe kind of how you see the the world going forward like what do you see word cell becoming and why is it important that identity story and connections are decentralized and stored permanently like this oh yeah absolutely so I think it's it's super important uh, it's super important for us to take like sovereign ownership of different aspects of our life for example bitcoin showed us that you could take take control of your financial sovereignty there is there exists this thing that exists on a blockchain turns out you could actually use it as a financial tool you could use it as a means of exchange that that enable people to take full ownership of their financial sovereignty but what with words of what we my what i want to enable is to is to enable social sovereignty and in order to do that you need to be able to take ownership of all these three fundamental pieces in a decentralized and censorship resistant way yeah social sovereignty is is the key key phrase it sounds yeah yeah and in order to in order to get there that means that no one entity can act as the gatekeeper uh, for you to publish content or no one entity can be the gatekeeper for you to reach out to your audience so as long as you are able to connect to an R- an rpc node and to the rv gateway you should be able you should be able to get 
one get access all all the all the people that you're following or everybody in your in your social graph and also the content that they put out yeah it makes sense and and on that note i'm curious you know if we can explore the tech stack in, in what you're utilizing to build word cell how did you arrive to okay well you know obviously you explored solana and you became more intrigued you you, you know exploring more documentation everything like that then you found arweave you know there's a lot of of blockchain like protocols out there how have you landed on solana and arweave can you talk about that stack and and why you're building on solana and arweave yeah so i i guess the uh, it boils down to the fundamental architectural and engineering decisions that each each of these blockchains have made that is one aspect of it the other aspect is also the aspect of community like how with solana my first entry into web3 was just hanging out with the folks in the solana community and and you know, just putting stuff out there. On the other side, even when I bootstrap my anon Twitter account, I guess Sam was the third person to follow me. Uh, so I, I guess it's it's there are two aspects to it. One is the the fundamental uh, strength of the tech, and also the other aspect is the community itself. Makes tons of sense, and I really resonate with that. You know, like the are we community. Uh, just to speak on that for a moment, has been so supportive. You know, my entry also happened to be through Twitter and through an anonymous account. And uh, I also had the the great uh, opportunity to connect with Sam Williams uh, very early on. And, you know, his involvement and the Arweave team's involvement and those in the community, yeah, that positive reinforcement, that phrase you mentioned earlier, is just amazingly powerful. So I appreciate you sharing not just the technical component, which is obviously incredibly important. It's also that social layer to come back to that social layer and how important it is to feel that love and that support early on can just kind of change everything. Um, and also, I think it can it can kind of shape or maybe even determine the the prosperity or how much it how much the ecosystem and, and the technology flourish going forward because of the the interconnections of the humans involved as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, and also Sam has been like a tremendous a source of help whenever he is like so approachable. Um, you, he's just a DM away. And then I, I've had some really vulnerable calls with him, but you know, it's like, talking about especially in times like this where you know everybody is everything is headed into a bear market you don't know where you're thinking about how do i make sure we start all of our projects with a vision there is a reason why we do it and there's something that we we want we want there's there is a place where you want to get to but then it's it's not just there are so many things that you need to achieve to be able to get there some of those are technological roadblocks some of those are um you know, capital capital constraints. The other is also in terms of just having people who have been there and done that, just being able to um, talk to them and heed to their advice. That, that's also, that's like super important as well. 
So I'd love to talk about where WordCell is today and maybe how you've gotten here thus far. We've heard a bit of your story already and you know how this has even become to, to start. Now, I'm curious to learn a little bit more of, of where you are. Now, back in, in March of 2022, you and I assumed maybe team or was it just you by yourself? Yes, so um, it was just me working on the project like um, full time. I had a few members again from the super team DAO who were helping me with uh, creating marketing content, putting out memes, um, and maybe and also helping me a little bit with the front end. Uh, so that that was up until March. So the, the interesting thing is that when I decided that I would go full-time into building wood, so some of the initial hires also happened to be from the community, the people that who were, who I had helped and who had helped me or people I had helped all with a, all pro bono, they, they just ended up becoming, you know, members of the early team. I see. And that growth, you know, something that you mentioned on a, on a few occasions already is Super Team DAO. Um, can you remind us how you became involved with Super Team DAO and, and how important that's been for, for you in building out WordCell? Yeah. So Akshay BD, he's the core contributor of to the Super Team DAO. So he, it was his tweet that I engaged with first like when he was talking about how you know there's like a tremendous amount of talent that is migrating from web 2 to web 3 so i wanted to know hey i'm an engineer with a good with a good amount of uh, experience building large scale systems in web 2 how can i contribute and how can i contribute to web 3 so it's, it just started out as a twitter dm and then he's he invited me over to their Discord channel. So yeah, it's just started from there. For me, that they have been like a, uh, they have been like a kind of like they pivotal role in me going full time into Web three. So it's where I was hanging out with other developers who were navigating Solana, who were trying to get their project launched there. Since me having the advantage of just you know. Um, having dived deep into the core base and understanding the systems well, the systems well, I was able to um, help help these people. And also, a lot of these developers were very young, so it kind of allowed me to host office hours within the Super Team DAO to to solve technical problems for other developers who are struggling with it. And so on. So it, it was. So yeah. So that way, like Super Team played like a very pivotal role in me going full time into Web three. Got it. So once again, con contributing to c the community wherever wherever you can and providing that resource uh, based upon your expertise to to others that were also building. And of course, you know, learning learning from others. It sounds now on the topic of growth. Um, obviously, you you won that Riptide Hackathon uh, hosted by Solana, and that was like fifty thousand USDC, um, from what I gather. And from 
then March of 2022 to the time of recording June of 2022, uh, you now have a beta going on. And how many individuals are signed up with your beta? Like a thousand or something like that? Yeah, so we have uh, around a thousand thousand people who have applied to be the part to be a part of our beta, and we are going to start rolling out our invites very soon. Hopefully, I guess by the time the podcast is out, people who have already received their invites and started using the would have started using the the app. Wow. Okay. So a thousand individuals is, is a is a really significant amount of individuals that are interested in utilizing WordCell and not just utilizing, being a part of the beta. How have you been able to attract that many individuals for a beta? I guess winning reply really helped us get the boost. Up until point we wanted to we one had like close to 100 people who wanted to be in our beta. And then the moment uh, to replay results came on, a lot of people thought, hey, this is super interesting. I want to be on the beta. So so yeah, I guess that that hackathon event kind of gave it a boost. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, maybe on the order of about a 10x boost uh, from the winning of that that hackathon and I think that's another kind of point just for the listeners is, you know, participating in hackathons can be a great way to, to grow. And especially, obviously, if you win, um, you know, I think sometimes some individuals, some founders think they can kind of maybe just do it all on their own and not participate in things. And, and that can work and that can work really well. It's also it also is about developing, you know, that kind of limelight, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, um, awareness, I think is probably more appropriate to just participate because others will will connect, they'll learn and they may have questions. Maybe an investor will stop by and say, hey, that, that's, that's really interesting. Maybe you didn't win. However, you may make some amazing, amazing connections with individuals. Uh, so anyways, just a, just a bit of a note because it is interesting to learn, like, how do you have a thousand individuals for your beta? You know, there's a lot that goes on within the Solano ecosystem. Solano ecosystem is, you know, large and it's growing and everything like that. And there's all these ecosystems that have so many projects. It's difficult to kind of, quote unquote, cut through the noise. So I appreciate you sharing on that. And did you have you done any like particular growth oriented kind of, I don't know, campaigns or anything like that? You mentioned at one point SuperDAO. I guess members have contributed to maybe marketing related or however you want to define it. Can you speak to that a bit? Yeah. So um, I, I guess uh, Super Team DAO is like it acts as a voice amplifier. So both both the core contributors actually and Tanmay they are like OTs and the Solana ecosystem. So. Whenever you, uh, even the the DAO's Twitter handle itself has a good amount of distribution. So whenever you have something meaningful, meaningful that you put out, then then it's just uh, the DAO acts as a voice voice amplifier or a megaphone to get you the distribution. Got it. Now let's dive into WordCell.club and how it works and some of the objectives and the current state. Now you do have some blog posts live on wordcell.club. Thank you for sharing that. And you also have uh, just some some information there 
about what it is and what it will become and, 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 and all of those details. Now, what, what I experienced in your demo and viewing your demo back from the Riptide Hackathon is like you have some, um, yeah, you have some toasts along the way that inform the individual of what's kind of happening in the background. You also have this, this notion of a proof of post. So like after one posts something onto WordCell in the upper right-hand corner, corner, there's a proof of post, which is uh, linked to soul scan, uh, scan, excuse me, and that allows individuals to check out those transactions on Solana. And then there's also the permanent on Arweave little kind of sticker, whatever you want to call it, uh, icon that then points to that Arweave transaction. I'm curious uh, how you think about managing how much information you divulge about backend processes and kind of where you decide to stop. So how do you inform an individual that these things are happening without overwhelming that individual with the Web3 layers? Yeah, so I, I guess with, with whatever we have today, we made a conscious decision to show them what's happening in the back in the background because that makes for a much um one you're not left one if you you're not left wondering what's going on because when you're used to web to anything on web to where it is content heavy you're used to things just appearing or just get get getting written in one single click so we, we are a long way away from that happening in a fully decentralized world. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of some, so that's kind of a user experience trade-off that we made to one fully ex- be transparent, transparently show it to the user that, hey, this is what happening in the background so that they understand what is going on. And that is also some kind of feedback between the, between the system and the user. Makes sense. It's nice to divulge some of that information and keep individuals informed because as you mentioned, this, this is a different tech stack and, and there are, you know, there's timing components too. It's not all happening in just a click at the moment. Um, ideally, we get there soon. Now, another feature that I'm really interested in highlighting is importing of articles. How does this work and what is your vision for importing articles to WordCell? Yeah, um, I, I guess importing articles is like uh, super important because the whole thesis is that even though now we all of this appears on our domain, our domain is something that that is not totally decentralized. Wurzel.club is, is a domain that's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that are central about any Web2 domains or the entire DNS infrastructure, right? So what... What we have today on our domain is just a user experience data that we made that so so that people can you can get something that that is familiar like on medium or substack or even even mirror for that matter. But what we eventually want to get to is a place where you already own your own domain for example for example, onelyorweave.com and you have your blog that is hosted there. However, when you have a blog that is posted there, that kind of, the content that you put out there 
becomes part of the discourse. Your the articles that you write there under that domain with the permalink that gets linked somewhere else. So it also has its own SEO karma associated with it. The whole idea behind import is to allow people to bring their existing content and store them permanently on RV and record that state on Solana. So, so that way, the moment you import all your articles, all you need to do is switch out your, um, yeah, basically everything stays the same, your blinks, your SEO, none of them breaks. And you start, you continue, so you're, you continue serving up your blog and the content there like you normally do. However, behind the scenes, all of that comes from a decentralized infrastructure. So it's like web two to your, the, for a normal user, the experience is like, like just like any other blog, but then it's being powered by a decentralized infrastructure. Got it. And, you know, when I saw this feature, it just clicked, right? I mean, it's so important to leverage or utilize where individuals are already present and creating a bridge, I think is one of the most important things as we build web three, you know, it's currently at a state of kind of web two dot something um, towards web three and we're not all there and we're not all the way there. And, uh, and, you know, you mentioned that with DNS and domain names and things like that, this notion, this, this ability to import articles from another place, I feel like is, is an important catalyst for adoption and ease of use. Now, on the ease of use side of things, um, there's challenges, of course, with those that are maybe not as familiar or not as willing to deal with wallet interactions and, and things like that, you know, the UX of the experience. Um, what things are you thinking about in general to improve that UX when one interacts with word cells, is there anything you can share on that front as you think about the larger architecture of wallets and approving every transaction and, you know, all this type of thing, what's on your mind on, on that front? Yeah. So, um, one thing that we wanted to like fundamentally make sure was that you, even people who do not have wallets can still experience a part of the, a part part of what it has to offer so that means that like now you could just you could you could you could read any article that is published onwards or like using our friend and without without needing without without even connecting your wallet so you could already consume content so in addition to that but then that's that's just that's just the lowest hanging fruit but but i guess we could do a lot more in terms of um, improving user experience to a point where right now every post takes takes two approvals before it finally gets published on RV and also on also onto the Solana network. I guess a lot of this could be super super simpler and user friendly by reimagining some some of how some of the wallet UX right. Imagine war on your on your iPhone when all of us are used to this whole idea of when you open up an app. Let's say there is a, there is an app which wants to open up your camera. It presents you neatly with the permission screen, which you 
give permission to once and once you give it the permission it doesn't bother with bother you again with bother you again for the same permission right so i guess there's like de- definite improvements we can make in terms of building these uh these kind of a permission la- permission layers on top of on top of all its where you could set a certain type of interactions with a smart contract to be auto approved right yeah so so that that's kind of what we are in in terms of what we are working on yeah that's like part of how we are thinking about how we could holistically make this experience better and you know there's all of these fresh or relatively fresh or new incentive designs or incentive mechanisms for individuals to contribute and stick around uh, on any given platform, in this case, WordCell. Now, how are you thinking about incentive design? And, you know, is there a potential token involved? Um, I know there's mention of karma. Can you shout out, excuse me, can you share a little bit about how you're thinking about incentive design for WordCell? Yeah, so uh, to be honest, we are like in the very early phases of thinking about how all of this, um, all of this rolls up in terms of value, right? That is definite. That is definite public good goodness that 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 is there to be achieved by allowing individuals to own their content and also their social graph, but. In terms of where exactly the value accrues and how that gets flown into the token, that's something that we are still thinking about. So, yeah, there could be mechanisms in which um, one one thing that um, one thing that is central to us as a protocol is not not to take a stance on which content gets a boost or not so that's why we are consciously stepping away from doing any kind of algorithmic recommendation so algorithmic recommendation is probably where we could um so yeah um, that however when we do not do algorithmic recommendation people who are putting out their content want to have their content discoverable for example it's, since it's a social graph protocol that somebody is building something like uh, TikTok or or some other medium which 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 necessarily inherently vital, um, there needs to be some kind of a discoverability layer. So we are just thinking of how karma or reputation points could play a role in it. Yeah, it's definitely a dense topic and one that is obviously very powerful as well. Um, you know, potentially utilizing something like Karma or some sort of token to manage kind of the algorithmic recommendations or whatever it may be is is pretty fascinating. Uh, and also, you know, it seems like in, in the, the vein of open source is to kind of divulge the mechanics behind that, right? So it's not like this black box of no one has any idea what the heck this algorithm is doing and why it's doing it to actually have a reputation management uh, system that is public and, and individuals can clearly identify what's happening. That that sounds like it may be a really interesting tool 
for managing kind of algorithmic decisions that uh, are maybe a little bit more transparent. So the algorithm component is, I imagine, pretty difficult to manage and orient in this new world of Web3. Can you share a little bit more maybe of how you're thinking about this algorithm-oriented, potentially token granted system? I mean, I know it's early stages, just kind of curious to hear some, some of your thoughts on that front. Yeah, so I, I guess the, 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 when you have algorithm, it's not just the fact that you have the algorithm, it's also the fact that uh, that's the only algorithm that is available to you. So I get, so one way to approach it is definitely transparency and what, what the heck goes on underneath the algorithm and what decisions is going into it. So in, in a way that is transparent, but then that's just one algorithm, right? So I imagine a world in which this enables a marketplace of algorithms where as a user, you can choose which recommendation algorithm, which recommendation algorithm you want to use. So you, your client just, your client just chooses to get your feed via that. Yeah, the option to choose algorithms in a marketplace setting is definitely fascinating. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Um, this is Sheck Dev, founder of WordCell.club. Sheck, uh, before we wrap up, is there anything that you'd like the, the listeners to check out? How can one participate in the beta program? Are you looking for anyone to participate in your team? What's, uh, what's the status on all that? Yeah, um, I, I think... Um, so our invitation should be, so they should start rolling out very soon. One interesting thing that we are uh, that we are doing is also our invitation and referral programs are also on chain. That, so that means that whoever is already using the, whoever is already using the virtual platform can also invite others. And that referral is also stored on chain. So that way you no longer have to, you know, apply to be part of the beta program and the, so your invites would be much more available. Great. And then as far as your team, are you looking to build out your team? Are there any kind of positions in the works or available or, or anything on that front? No, so we, we are a very, you know, lean and focused team. Um, but yeah, watch out, watch out our, our Twitter and our blog on WordCell. Maybe we might have something up very soon. All right, great. Well, uh, all of those links to follow along on Twitter, to check out WordCell um, will be in the description. So uh, you as a listener can, can check that out and, and also be sure to connect with Sheck. Um, Shek Dev, thank you so much for being on the Permweb Pioneers podcast. Your work on Solana and Arweave is inspiring, and it'll be great to see what WordCell does next. Awesome. So happy to be here. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Permweb Pioneers, a podcast focused on growing awareness of Arweave and the Permweb. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Otherwise, 
share this episode with friends and family and whoever else you think may find it useful and interesting. Thank you for being a part of our community of pioneering long-term thinkers securing the present and future of data.